welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one equitable page of Talmud every day. If you listen to this podcast, you know we like sharing. All right, we like oversharing. So I'm not ashamed to tell you that when I was young, I looked around me and I saw that some people had lots of money and others had almost none. And I thought that this was deeply, profoundly, fundamentally unfair. Looking for answers, hoping for some way to quell all this teenage outrage, I turned, as so many young and confused people do, to Karl Marx, who had very solid ideas about what was to be done about income inequality. These ideas moved me, and before too long, I found myself speaking in slogans and insisting that the world was really divided into two sorts of people— the working class, which were poor and righteous and struggling and holy and beautiful, and the rich, which were generally a bunch of non-productive, decidedly unrighteous fat cats who made a mint off the backs of their less fortunate brethren. I should have read the Talmud instead. There, in today's daf, we receive a tiny nugget of wisdom that is as good a guide as we could hope for when we wonder how we should go about thinking about income inequality or wealth or many other earthly matters. Have a listen. And the following are notable because of the full-fledged mitzvah involved in them, yet are prohibited on Shabbat. One may not consecrate nor take a valuation vow nor consecrate objects for use by the priests or the temple. The Gemara explains, all these cases are prohibited because of a decree due to their similarity to commerce. These acts, which all involve the transfer of ownership to the temple treasury, resemble commerce, which is prohibited on a festival. This, at first blush, is a startling argument. How can consecrated actions, comprising the very heart of worship in Bet HaMikdash, the holy temple, bear any resemblance at all to commerce? Isn't commerce, by its very definition, transactional and mundane, a little boring, and let's be frank, a little gross, and a long, long way away from anything we think about when we think about sanctity? The answer, gleefully, is no, not at all. It's the stuff of life. And to better understand this claim and what it teaches us about life, we need to go back to the very beginning of this book, to the very beginning of the Talmud itself. As you may recall, and if you don't, no worries, you could go back and check our episodes from Tractate Brachot. In Tractate Brachot, the Talmud's very first, we meet two of the Talmud's most radiant characters, Hillel and Shammai, two wise rabbis who fought between them endlessly. Now look, you don't have to be much of a Talmudic scholar to have heard their names. And if you've heard their names, you probably know a little bit about them. And you know that Hillel was the more lenient one, the one more likely to permit rather than restrict, while Shammai was hardcore interpreting halacha or Jewish law according to the most exacting standards. But that's not the real difference between them. And Tractate Brachot we find Hillel and Shammai arguing about how to pray. A pretty seminal question, right? Shammai says that since praying is basically us standing before God, the king of the universe, it must be done with a series of very specific gestures, as one would do when speaking to a real, live king. 
Hillel, on the other hand, takes a very different approach. Speaking to a colleague who interrupted his travels to pray in an unsafe environment on the road, even though he was making himself vulnerable to robbers and thieves, Hillel says that the colleague should have gone on with his travels and prayed while riding. God, he teaches us, hears our prayers even when we're saddled up on our donkey or our horse. And while we may not know precisely what the Lord of hosts is thinking, we can be certain that the merciful one isn't interested in us putting ourselves at needless risk for his sake. Hillel, then, is giving us an approach to life that isn't just more lenient, but profoundly different from Shammai's. Worshipping God, he believes, isn't something that you do only when all earthly matters are taken care of. It's not the opposite of ordinary life. It is the very essence of all life. There's a beautiful story about Hillel that tells of him getting up and announcing to his students that he's about to perform a great big mitzvah. The students, excited, understandably, asked, which one? Which great big righteous mitzvah was the wise old rabbi about to perform? I'm going to the bathroom, Hillel told them. The bathroom, they asked. How is going to the bathroom a mitzvah? Because, Hillel replied, if you don't go, your body will break down and you won't be able to have any sort of relationship with God anyway. From peeing to bathing, Hillel saw bodily functions not merely as necessities that needed to be taken care of and then repressed and forgotten, but as opportunities to deepen our connection with Hashem. We're embodied beings, after all, so we should worship with our bodies, not just with our souls or our minds or our hearts. We live in this world, not in the next, and we shouldn't aspire to transcend above all that is human, but rather work to find all that is holy right here on earth. Which brings us back to today's page of Talmud. See things Hillel's way, and it's easy to understand why commerce and sacred work can look so similar. Both are human pursuits, and both are fundamental and foundational to our well-being. If you reject the harsh approach that calls on you to transcend all that is human and immediate and obvious and aspire to higher and loftier goals, you come to see why earning a living and finding meaning in your work isn't just a necessary evil, but an invitation to discover yet another way to connect with God. The priest, after all, standing there in the holiest place on earth, is laboring, just like the fruit vendor, or the accountant, or the school teacher, or the construction worker, or the person driving the bus. He is performing a function that we need in order to keep our community together, and community is the very heart of Jewish life. So while there are many injustices and inequalities we still strive to correct and should never, ever stop, Here's hoping we could do so like old Hillel, remembering that our end goal isn't a future where no one has to work and all material needs have become obsolete and taken care of, but a future where each one of us is encouraged and rewarded for finding purpose and satisfaction in what we do. Because what we do is, by definition, the Lord's work. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. 
Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.